my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show, where we're always talking about the world through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, and of course, the decentralized revolution, how the world is starting to break apart. And I like to bring to you some interesting guests. You don't have to listen to me all the time. And that's what I have today. I have Marlo Oaks, who's the Utah State Treasurer. And uh, we're going to dig into something big and a little bit scary. Marlo, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me on, Mark. The State Treasurer. What? Well, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, I saw you uh, being referenced in Dr. James Lindsay's work, um, talking about something called an NAC, a Natural Asset Corporation. Um, I'm just curious, uh, as a Utah State Treasurer, how did this come onto your radar? Well, so I've been um, an outspoken critic of environmental, social, and governance. And ESG. So had, <laughs> yep, ESG. And so... Uh, uh, some folks that were familiar with my work uh, that that uh, were really following natural asset companies more closely than I was, they reached out and just said, "Hey, you ought to, you might want to be looking at this. This might be of interest to you." So that that's really how it how it happened. Great. So ESG, my audience knows all about that. We've been talking about that for uh, a long time now uh, in deep detail. Let's talk about this NAC, Natural Asset Company. What is it? Like, just break that down for us. Yeah, so so the Natural Asset Company is a, a company that would be traded on the New York Stock Exchange and raise money globally from investors just like any other uh, company. 
But importantly, it's not based on economic activity. And that's why the New York Stock Exchange had to uh, apply to the Securities and Exchange Commission to get a rule to change its manual and use a different accounting standard than the ones that we use in the United States, basically GAAP. And, and GAAP is based on economic activity. It's very objective. And you know the, the money going in and out of a, a company, it's fairly easy to track. What makes the natural asset company unique is that these companies are designed to manage ecosystem services and to maximize ecosystem services. So I, I basically explain it as the financialization of mother nature. And so what is photosynthesis worth? Uh, and because it, it's basically uh, creating a value out of thin air, uh, that's why these are not gap uh, type of accounting standards that we're looking at. We're now looking at UN, United Nations accounting standards that are applying an arbitrary value to uh, basically natural processes that, that all of us benefit from. I want to understand the new way they're assigning value, but let's just talk about the natural processes for a minute. So I think mainly we're talking about sort of like carbon sequestration, uh, right? Uh, pulling carbon out of the air, things like that. Uh, but potentially even, I don't know if this includes minerals, water, fossil fuels, et cetera. But what are you talking about this natural synthesis? Yeah, so so it's really trying to manage. The natural asset company is really trying to segregate the land itself from the from the natural processes that happen on that land. So things like uh, flood prevention with the way land is contoured or, or the types of, uh, of um, plants that are that are on the land that, that prevent soil erosion or, or flood uh, floods from happening. It's uh, how much the soil absorbs carbon, how much soil or how much carbon does the soil absorb? Uh, things like photosynthesis, I mentioned, you know, the, the, the um, converting carbon dioxide into oxygen. It's managing those processes and trying to maximize the good of mother nature and, and applying a value to that. That's really what the natural asset company is trying to do. It's not trying to hold uh, land to hold land like you and I might think of as a, a, a as a land investment and and turn around and sell it for for a higher pro profit. It's actually trying to uh, manage the natural processes on land in a sustainable way, which means no unsustainable activity can take place on that land, which means things like grazing, mineral extraction, forestry, uh, oil extraction, the things that are happening on uh, federal lands today or on, you know, other uh, private land, uh, if it were to come under the ownership of a natural asset company, the purpose of the land changes from trying to generate economic activity to trying to shut down economic activity. Mm -hmm. So already we have that, uh, not this, but for example, you mentioned mineral extraction. So um, in you know parts of the country, uh, Texas, for example, someone may own the minerals under the ground. You, you own the land and you can build something there, but somebody may own the minerals under that. Uh, in California, the aquifers, right? The water rights are all kind of divvied up, et cetera. So we sort of have that in a sense, but you still get use of the land. It's just maybe what's under the land is owned. But you're saying with this, it's different where now they take over the land and every activity that happens either on or under the land as well, basically taking it out of uh, service. 
Yes. And so you can take land. So the federal government has all this land in the West, for example. Um, they, if they put that into uh, or, or under the management of a natural asset company, um, then the federal government still owns the land, but it's now managed for a completely different purpose. Uh, same thing with conservation easements. Conservation easements are uh, much more prevalent, I would say, um, east of the Rockies. Um, but those natural, uh, sorry, conservation easements could be enrolled in a natural asset company and further uh, prevent economic activity happening on the land that is encumbered with the conservation easement. Hmm. So the federal government won't actually sell the land to a private corporation. They basically just give the rights to the private corporation to then control the land over Correct. probably a very long period of time, which is sort of a semi quasi way of making it private. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Because, you know, th this is where you get into constitutional issues with federal land. The, the BLM, for example, is operating under uh, the 1976 law that, that essentially um, allowed them to manage lands, uh, federal lands for multiple uses. So all of that economic activity. Uh, and do they have the right to uh, assign a conservation lease, which essentially takes precedence over uh, the multiple use um, leases, the grazing and the mineral extraction, et cetera? Uh, do they really have the ability to do that, or or is that something that Congress uh, has has the right to do? I think it's that's a that's a constitutional question that certainly is in the fore now. Yeah. Now we, you mentioned BLM in California. We have lots of BLM in Texas. You have no you have you have no BLM. <laughs> it's uh, inter in interesting. Uh, but we have lots of national parks um, that you can't really do anything in. I I'm a dirt bike guy, uh, so I, I kind of follow what happens with the deserts. And we've lost a lot of them in California. Can't go ride dirt bikes out there anymore. But we have lots of national parks that we really can't do anything with. And those are being conserved. And I think I kind of like that. I mean, is it sort of just like that? I mean, they just take the, the national parks or you're you're afraid that this could potentially creep into now taking over a lot more land that could be a big problem? Yeah, it, it's definitely um, the latter where, where it, this is part of a bigger agenda. The uh, America the Beautiful is what um, the Biden administration calls it. It's, it's basically 30 by 30, the 30 by 30 agenda. So 30% of the land and water in the United States uh, being preserved by 2030, and it has to be basically to the level of a national park or wildlife refuge. And so we're seeing, for example, in Montana, 5.8 million acres, the Missouri Headwaters um, designation that the Fish and Wildlife uh, is, is trying to uh, get this land designated as a wildlife refuge. 5.8 million acres, 500,000 of those acres are state land. They didn't even tell the state of Montana before they announced it. 250,000 acres of private conservation easement land and other private land within this designated area. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta yeah. cut you off right there. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer, and we are talking about a new type of company called a Natural Asset Corporation that could be going through. We're gonna come back and explain to you more in detail exactly what this is, what it means to you, and potentially what we can do about it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. 
Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, sitting down with Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer, and we are talking about a new type of company, a natural asset corporation that the SEC is deciding if they want to allow this new company in. We're talking about sort of what this means and the impacts. And so, Marlo, I had to cut you off abruptly, but you were talking about how potentially, like in Montana, they could be taking over 5 million acres and sort of taking it out of existence or, or use, I should say. Now, again, uh, when I think about this, maybe from a naive mindset, not understanding that there's a bigger agenda here. From a naive mindset, I would say, well, like I said earlier, well, we already have national parks and we should have those. And I'm a surfer. I like to be in the ocean every day. I want to preserve the environment as well. And uh, I guess we should probably have some fish sanctuaries. Sounds like a pretty good idea. But I guess what you're saying is they really want to expand this to be massive. You said 30% of the land in the United States. I don't know what percentage of the land is protected right now so is currently it's 12 percent to the 12%. level that they want it so only 12 percent of the land is is at the level of protection that that would uh, meet the 30 by 30 criteria so you know 18 percent more so that's why you're going to see um, these these large land grabs essentially and unfortunately for outdoor recreation enthusiasts you know, it's you're going to start seeing a reduction in access to the point where it's only the fittest uh, folks who can who can uh, get into the backcountry because all other access will be uh, limited. Um, so, I mean, it has a lot of implications for for those of us who enjoy the outdoors. How could this affect Utah? Because I know Utah's got a great. You mentioned backcountry. <laughs> I get out there in the snow quite a bit. I know Utah has a, a amazing land for mountain biking, dirt biking, hiking, fish, fish, all that. Uh, how does it affect Utah potentially? Yeah, I mean we're we already we have sixty seven percent of our state that is owned by the federal government. 
Um, we've got five national parks, and of course, the national parks are highly restricted. You you have to have a permit to go in, and and a lot of times you're, you know, you're not allowed to go off of the designated roads. Um, that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Where I've seen uh, uh, where they're trying to limit um, electric vehicles, um, whether it's a you know a, a, an electric bike um, that's now considered a, a mechanized um, machine, you know that that can't go on certain trails. Uh, that's what we're going to see is a, a ratcheting down of access uh, on our public lands. But even more. Uh, troubling to me is the economic impact this will have on our rural communities where, you know, so much of, of rural communities uh, produce the, um, the basic necessities like uh, agriculture and uh, grazing, uh, mineral extraction, those, those sorts of things. This is a direct attack on our uh, rural communities and, and represents a tremendous risk. Hmm. Yeah. Now, um, this is sort of, it sounds like it's sort of what's, what we've seen over the last several years with the carbon credits. And uh, they've been mostly doing this, I think, in um, other countries like Brazil, for example. Hey, let's save the rainforest. Let's privatize that and then we'll sell carbon credits onto that. So it's similar to that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some, some similarities uh, uh, to that. You, you could see there's a push, you know, to get companies to uh, report on their scope emissions, scope one, scope two, scope three, you know, carbon emissions. Uh, and and so this could be a way to drive demand for a natural asset company. If, if, if uh, insurance company, for example, in their investment portfolio, uh, they've invested in fossil fuel companies and, and have all of these carbon emissions that they have to offset, then, you know, they perhaps they buy into a natural asset company um, that that has a certain you know, carbon offset that, that they list as an asset. Um, and so that that's one way that this could could play out. Hmm. Yeah. Now, this is sort of, again, I said if I was naive, it sounds like a good idea if I don't really understand the bigger agenda. And, and I do understand the bigger agenda. And we started talking about this ESG movement, right? This environmental, social governance um, type movement. And uh, maybe I'm being overly optimistic, uh, but it's, uh, like I said, I've been reporting on this for a long time, but it seems like it's been dying. And I know several states, and I don't know if Utah joined in on that. Um, I'm sure you can tell me, uh, you're the treasurer there, but several states pulled their state's pension funds from, from BlackRock and things like that. Uh, I think Florida may have led that movement. I know several other states did that. Something like $6 billion in funds got withdrawn from BlackRock, and then BlackRock started canceling all their ESG funds. Um, Larry Fink doesn't even want to use the word BlackRock, or I'm sorry, ESG anymore. Um, so I thought maybe it was starting to pivot, not just because of the public backlash, but they were shutting down their funds because they weren't profitable. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, so I thought I, maybe, again, maybe I'm being overly opt optimistic, but I thought it was sort of trending down. Um, are you thinking that maybe it's not trending down or maybe they're sort of just changing the name so uh, it doesn't have that negative connotation anymore? Well, I, I, and I think this is where it's important to understand what is the agenda behind this. Both ESG and natural asset companies are driven by the climate crisis narrative. But the climate crisis is really a pretext to the bigger agenda, and that is uh, our economic freedoms. So if you, uh, if you look at a UN report from 2018, they commissioned a report 
and the headline from that was, we cannot fight climate change with capitalism. The head of um, U the UN IPCC back in 2015 said, uh, we, this is the first time in the history of the world that we have intentionally tried to change the economic system that's been in place in the world. Well, the economic system that's been in place in the world is capitalism. Uh, and, and they uh, later that year in 2015 came out with the Paris Climate Accord. AOC's chief of staff back in 2019 said the Green New Deal wasn't originally about climate. It was about how do you change the economic system? So that's really the end goal. And so uh, ESG and, and natural asset companies um, are, are part of that effort, I believe. Um, and in the case of ESG, I think it's just a matter of changing the the uh, language, because if you have that kind of goal, you're not just going to stop when it becomes unpopular to push, uh, you know, three letters. Mm, yeah, good point. And 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 to your point, yes, it's always been something about something much bigger. And uh, yeah, they don't. It doesn't just go away. It sort of uh, just reshifts, changes its name, and then sort of comes back. I specifically, um, I, I'm specifically turned off by this idea because of the financialization of it. I mean, we're basically taking public land, um, taking it away from uh, our, you know, our use, uh, taking away the economic activity, and then putting it into these private companies, probably BlackRock, et cetera. Tell me about the um, the SEC change. So I, I think some of this is potentially being hung up in, uh, I think you said the SEC is deciding whether they want to allow a new type of company like this because of the change in accounting that has to happen. Um, and so I'm curious, I want to know more just about that, how they changed that, because like I said, some of these ESG funds were shut down supposedly per BlackRock because they weren't making money. <laughs> but if they don't have to make money anymore, then I guess they could continue. So I'm curious about that, but I got to take a very quick break. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, I'm sitting down with Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer. We're talking about these new types of companies, natural asset corporations that the SEC has decided if they want to allow to come in there. And it could be a big assault on our freedoms, not just for us, but for our grandkids, for future generations. We'll be back with more on this in a minute. You don't want to miss it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and I'm sitting down with Marla Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer. We're talking about these new types of businesses that you need to be aware of. We need to make sure everybody's aware of these. These are natural asset corporations. And so right before the break, I was uh, asking you, um, again, being the state treasurer, actually, I didn't get your uh, response to that. I had talked about uh, Florida sort of leading the charge on pulling pension funds away from uh, BlackRock. Did Utah jump in on that? Yeah, we were actually one of the early ones. I I wasn't... um... I wasn't uh, public about it in, until later in the year, but in January 2022, we sold all of our um, BlackRock exposure in the treasurer's office, um, and we don't use, um, you know, a lot of the other uh, investment managers for indexing that that a lot of other pensions do in, in our pension plan. So we, I think we were in a much better shape in Utah overall uh, when this all started. So let's go back to, um, again, so BlackRock shut down several of the ESG funds. They said there was poor performance. I've often said that uh, uh, reality will eventually smack these people in the face. Like, it just doesn't work. Uh, We invest to make money. These won't make money. Um, And I thought that's sort of what we're seeing. Um, And so it just sort of doesn't work. And also, I would think, I mean, I, I don't know, you can correct me, but some of these fund managers, I don't know if they have like a fiduciary duty. I mean, they're supposed to be making money and they're supposed to be doing the best that they can to make the most amount of money. And so intentionally going into something else for other reasons and making money is sort of against that. Um, but so that's sort of a, a lot of complication and you, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but then maybe no, what you're, you're absolutely saying, right. <laughs> and, and in yeah. fact, I wrote a, an off whole conflict, Wall Street right? journal in May of last year. Um, that was saying this is the biggest breach of fiduciary duty in the history of our country. And I mean, even and and other other companies that are also doing things in the name of ESG or DEI that are hurting their business like a Budweiser move or a Disney or a Target. I mean, that's a breach of fiduciary duty as well, wouldn't it be? Yes, absolutely. And and think about our free market capitalist system. Our free market system uh, really encapsulates our personal freedoms and, and our constitutional liberties. We, we as individuals have the right to choose how we spend our money and how we make our money. And, it, and, and so this ESG movement is completely the opposite, where we have top-down dictates what companies need to do, uh, you know, like, like the Biden administration saying, hey, uh, you need to produce electric vehicles. Um, telling the marketplace what to do. I mean, this is totally counter to to our economic system that is supposed to be based on consumer demand and companies meeting that demand, not being dictated to by outside forces, including the UN or global uh, investors saying, hey, you need to do this uh, or we're not going to invest with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talk about the EV vehicles as well. And I mean, Ford took a was like a four point six billion dollar bath on that la- uh, this last year. And I saw it look like Ford and GM were both um, closing down plans of uh, creating these new plants that they were going to do. So, again, reality smacking them in the face. They're losing money. There's no consumer demand. Um, they can dictate top down, but they can't really drive the market at the end of the day. That's right. And, and, and so, the, the concern is, is that. The, the market is being captured 
So with ESG, you have these uh, organizations like Net Zero Climate Pledges, and they they span the financial services industry. So banks have signed on to the, you know the banking Net Zero Alliance. Asset managers have signed on to the asset managers Net Zero Alliance. Insurance companies, etc. And when they do that, and, and they all adopt an agenda and say, hey, we're we're going to cut down on our fossil fuel exposure, you no longer have a free market. Because that captures the marketplace, and that's the danger. Right. Yeah, sort of monopolizes it, if you will, right? So, um, in a sense, in a different way. But to your point, yeah. it sort of takes away our our, our options, our choices to make. Um, that's right. Now, instead of this whole free market, hey, hey, we give you two choices. Which one do you choose? Kind of a thing. That's right. Because you know, typically in a free market system, if a bank decides I'm going to lend money or I'm not going to lend money to a certain industry, another bank will. Uh, lend money to that industry because they can make money at it. That's the way a free market works. When you have uh, opportunities to make money, uh, companies form or and and they move into that space and exploit that opportunity and it becomes uh, a positive, a net positive for society. When yeah. you have agendas that cut off capital to certain uh, segments, you no longer have a free market. Yeah. I, a couple of years ago, I read a book uh, by Mark Carney, previously the head of Bank of Canada and the Bank of England and, you know, uh, advisor for the UN and the WEF and et cetera. Mark Carney's uh, someone you should pay attention to. And, and he said that these businesses that don't go along with this will be, quote, economic roadkill. <laughs> yeah, that's what I he mean, said. They, they are uh, they, they are threatened. Uh, they they may lose business. They may go out of business. And I mean, that's the threat. Uh, or they have their boards of directors swapped out if they're not sufficiently committed to the agenda. They do that through the annual proxy vote. Uh, I mean, it's very serious. Yeah. So then uh, sort of back to this the fiduciary duty sort of angle, then a company that uh, a, a, a CEO or whatever the board, a company that specifically purposely goes into something knowing that it's going to underperform, knowing that it's going to hurt the performance of the stock or the, or the, or the market cap or the business um, would then be breaching that duty. So specifically doing what, you know, again, tar target Disney, et cetera, has done could potentially um, be against that. Um, and again, back to uh, BlackRock saying they're shutting down their ESG funds because of poor performance. But Let's get back to this accounting change. <laughs> so if, if the accounting changes and these businesses no longer have to produce a, uh, um, a profit or they change the way they, they produce a profit. So explain to me what that accounting change will do. And does that sort of affect or, or protect them against making these decisions? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I uh, fully know the answer to that. But essentially, you're taking non-economic activity, assigning an economic value to that and passing it off as uh, as something that investors can rely on. That's the recipe for fraud. And the fact that the New York Stock Exchange is promoting this idea, uh, frankly, I think introduces reputational risk for them. Uh, you're now looking at introducing an accounting system that that's, whose values are are based on some arbitrary uh, number that nobody could justify, uh, no matter how hard you try, because these are things like photosynthesis and, and other natural processes that are just part of the world in which we live and we all benefit from, and they're all necessary. I mean, they all have tremendous value, but you can't place a value on it. It's totally arbitrary. Right. And so that's the fundamental problem. 
Um, and it remains to be seen, uh, you know, how this will play out. But uh, what's happened uh, in places like in Europe is that they're they're taking those values, the, the, the countries are taking those values uh, and us putting them on their balance sheet. And, and so in the United States, um, actually back in, in January of 2023, um, the nat- natural capital account uh, or national capital, I think it's natural capital account, um, there was a publication from the White House uh, talking about using uh, those values, the, the, the value of nature in the United States, placing it on the balance sheet of the United States, and, and that would essentially uh, give us more room to borrow more money and create more financial problems. I mean, it is crazy. Is this something that the Biden administration has been sort of either maybe specifically involved in or or not? I mean, is this something from the administration that we're seeing pop up? Yes. Yeah, because um, like the OMB, the Office of uh, Management and Budget, they're um, they're trying to. Uh, or they look at um, different rules and how do they, what's the impact on uh, ecological services and really trying to embed this concept across the government. Um, and, and so it really is kind of this whole of government approach similar to um, what they've said with climate change, that they have to use a whole of government government approach. I got to cut yeah. you off on that, but I want to dig back into that. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, I got to take a very, very quick break, but I'm going to be right back in a minute. You don't want to miss it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back. If you just tune in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. And I'm sitting down with Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer. We're talking about these natural asset corporations. I had to cut you off abruptly there, uh, Marlo. You were talking about um, the New York Stock Exchange and the and um, the J.P. Morgan, I think you were saying, family. The Intrinsic Exchange Group. Yeah, so the Intrinsic okay. Exchange Group is really the group that came up with natural asset companies, that concept. And they were funded by Rockefeller Foundation, uh, among other uh, entities. Um, and, and so, 
the the whole idea that that they put forward is that we are not investing enough to address climate change and biodiversity erosion. So they they targeted the number they they put forward the number of 5.6 trillion dollars of underinvestment annually to address climate change and biodiversity erosion yeah. and that the natural asset company is the mechanism that they plan to use to make up that difference. Well, if you take that 5.6 trillion dollars annually, that's 25% of GDP, that's $68,000 for every family of four. Um, that's either a tax or some other uh, net drain on economic activity, because again, a natural asset company is not backed by economic activity. It, it's simply assigning a value to mother nature processes that we all take for granted and, and all benefit from what, what some would call positive externalities. As soon as you assign a value to a positive externality or a process like this, then there is somebody who owns that and that can then be used uh, to charge uh, others who who use the the benefit of that uh, that that process. And so, uh, instead of being a positive externality, it has now been commoditized and financialized. And that's what we're talking about. It is literally we're going down the path of of monetizing the air that we breathe. Scary, scary stuff. I want to I want to switch gears, but before we do, let me ask you just one last question. Uh, so people listen to this, they're scared of this, they don't like it, they don't want this future. Um, what do we do? Uh, that's a great question. It's a really important question. We we were able to get an extension from the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, to open comments again. So when they when a, an agency like this puts forward a rule, they open up a comment period for the public to make comments either for or against. And, and so people can go to the Securities and Exchange Commission website and submit comments and let uh, let the commission know uh, that this is a terrible idea and provide uh, arguments against this. They can also, and very importantly, reach out to their congressional representatives. Um, and it's very important that the financial services committee members in Congress hear from us um, and ask them to initiate oversight hearings on this. Uh, people can call the New York Stock Exchange and and ask them to withdraw the application. Um, and, and so there's you know there's definitely things that that people can do and and certainly uh, have your voice heard uh, in the marketplace and uh, and alert other people to what's going on. We have a very short fuse before that comment period closes, basically a week. Uh, and 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 so we really appreciate the the focus on this. Yeah, so we're going to make sure we include links to that down in the show notes here so we can uh, call the SEC, write them, comment on that, uh, New York Stock Exchange, and um, your lawmakers. Um, let's switch gears for a minute. Uh, we got about five minutes left here. Um, so I have the uh, I have I have you, the treasurer, uh, Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer. So I'm curious your, your take on this. Um, this week, we saw massive news in my world, and that is that Wall Street has now adopted a Bitcoin ETF. So we have an asset that's the best performing asset in history. It's 15 years old now. It's not 5,000 years old like gold, but 15 years is not a small feat. Um, it's beat most companies. Like I said, it's the best performing asset, and now it's officially an ETF. Uh, from a treasurer standpoint, what's your take on that? Was, so was that approved? Did the SEC then approve that? Yeah, it's approved. They're open. They're trading wow. right now. Okay, I, I guess I'm a little 11. Behind. 11 went through. 
Wow. 11 ETFs. Wow. Interesting. Okay. No, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, I, to the extent that, you know, that, that this provides uh, greater economic freedom, um, I am, I'm all for that. Uh, I think we see, you know, things like a central bank digital currency. Um, that's another a whole nother area that, um, but I'm curious on your take on, on Bitcoin as the asset now that it's being an ETF as a treasure. So for example, yeah. you know, uh, 15 years now I'm in the Bitcoin space. Lots of people I know live on Bitcoin as their unit of account. Uh, we have companies like Michael Saylor with MicroStrategy who've now adopted it as their sort of, uh, you know, unit of account as well. Uh, Michael Saylor's bet is working out very well for him. Now he's up, a, I don't know, $4 billion or whatever it is. Uh, we have countries like El Salvador that have adopted it. Um, and so I'm just curious as a state treasurer, you're directing sort of that treasury, uh, is it even on your radar uh, now that it's an ETF? Obviously, it could make it easier for you. Um, or is it something that you're not even really thinking about or, or looking at? No, I am. I'm, I'm definitely it's definitely on the radar. Um, and, you know, I'm, I uh, think of it in the context of um, a central bank digital currency and protecting uh, protecting economic freedom, certainly from an individual perspective. But um, you know, it's it's another way of um, potentially protecting oneself from uh, the centralized power associated with a central bank digital currency. From a from a um, investment perspective, uh, I think it's a very interesting uh, concept. It it uh, seems to have both inflationary and deflationary um, hedging characteristics. Um, so you know, definitely, uh, it's definitely on on my radar and and uh, something that that i'm interested in in keeping track of definitely yeah yeah i mean one more uh one more piece that wall street's trying to financialize uh they want to get their uh, fangs into everything if you will but um i put something up earlier today and it's sort of a lot, a lot of people are saying it's, it's sort of like this uh we hopefully uh, think it could be sort of this trojan horse if you will right where it's like as of right now, for whatever we can see into the future, there's really no way to get a hold of it. Owning more Bitcoin doesn't give you any more control over the network. Um, you can have, like Michael Saylor, whatever, 150,000 Bitcoin, or you could have a fraction of one, um, and it doesn't give you any more control over the network. And so no matter how much Wall Street buys, it doesn't really give them an advantage. They could obviously use it to manipulate and suppress the price. They could certainly do that, uh, yeah. but not the network itself. And so uh, to your point, yes, uh, certainly it's probably the greatest tool that we have as of right now for individual freedom. I kind of believe that without the freedom to transact, we don't really have any freedoms. Right? If I I, that's it. exactly what I tell people. If we do not have economic freedom, we don't have any other freedoms. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so the ability to transact without a middleman peer-to-peer uh, -peer in the digital age is uh, is really big. And the ability to hold my savings in a way that can't be debased is, is really big. Um, and, and unfortunately, we just look at the trend um, and uh, do we have more money printing ahead in the future or less? Yeah. <laughs> and do we have more authoritarianism yeah, the one, in the future or less? That, the one thing that gives me pause is the attack on energy. And, and are we going to see, um, you know, what, when power goes down, um, what happens to Bitcoin? But I just don't know. I, you know, there, there's so many crazy things going on in the world. It's, it's hard yeah. to know, you know, and, and so that's why I think it's important for people to, to be diversified overall, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like I said, I was just curious from a treasurer standpoint, just because, like I said, I know now businesses, they changed the accounting rule now, the FTSB. Mm. So now it changes the way that you can uh, hold Bitcoin or you can account for it on your books. That was a mm. really big deal that went through about a month ago. Um, and now with the with the ETF. And so I'm sure there's lots of other um, treasury managers, at least in public and private corporations, that saw what Michael Saylor did and made billions of dollars. And they're probably thinking about it as well. So I was just curious about it. So and, and is it considered, it's not considered a security, correct? It's No, it's not. It's not a security. It's a commodity. It's the only only okay. cryptocurrency that's a commodity. Right? Okay. Yeah, because that, there's, there's, no, there's no common issuer. No, right. no, no one issues right. it, right? Right. Um, Anyway, uh, that's what we got. We're sort of out of time here. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is a very important subject. Uh, like I said, we're going to make sure to put in the show notes down below ways that you can get in touch with the SEC for comments and things like that. Uh, Marlo Oaks, the Utah State Treasurer, anything else that you want to say in closing? No, I really appreciate the, the attention to this. It's critical that people act and they act quickly and, and, and uh, take the steps that we outlined and, and let their voices be heard. Uh, I think we are making a, a significant difference. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate Thank it. you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.